This is the Scale with Psychology podcast, where you're going to optimize your psychology to exponentially scale your business and become the ultimate version of yourself. I'm your host, Ani Manian, widely known as the Mind Whisperer and trusted advisor and psychedelic therapist to the world's top entrepreneurs and leaders. And I believe that entrepreneurship is a mental game. And the main constraint in any business is not the strategies and tactics, but the psychology of the founder. And with each episode, I'm going to help you take your life in business to levels you never thought possible. If you're ready to play the game of life and business in God mode, then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the You Are Limitless podcast. It is an absolute pleasure today to have my best friend, an amazing human being here on the show. We're going to be doing basically a live jam session. We've had such interesting conversations, such amazing conversations um, the entire time we've known each other. Mm We've gone to such really cool places that we were thinking, what better way to expand the impact of these conversations than let you in on it? So we're just going to be talking as if there's no mics here. And um, you're going to learn all about a concept that Boris has been pioneering, really, which is Society 2.0. And what a time for humanity to collectively really just ascend in their level of consciousness so that we can usher in a new world that we live in. Mm -hmm. Um, So Boris is a futurist. He spends a lot of time thinking about transformative technologies, just ways in which humanity can make huge collective transformations for the betterment of every living being. He is a fitness junkie, and hopefully we'll get to that too because his way of moving his body is actually pretty special. And it's almost uh, a lot closer to Zen meditation than movement and fitness. So he's also a huge pioneer in the field of plant medicine and blockchain and so many other things. So without further ado, Boris Pesakov. Hello, everybody. So let's start with arguably the the most pressing topic, which is Society 2.0. Why now? And really, what is this idea of Society 2.0? Sure. Well, I guess let's get into the idea first, and then we can figure out (laughs) why now. Society 2.0 is basically my idea, and other people as well, uh, of what society is going to look like within the next 15 to 20 years. I would say more likely 20 years. And I talk about this, I've been talking about this, and I come to this idea not just out of just out of dreaming or you know hoping, but I see the tools that are available. I see the technology, I see the massive shift in consciousness, and I use all of these all this information from all these different areas to come to a conclusion. And to me, a conclusion is based on all of this. And the conclusion is that within 20 years, we'll be pretty well on our way into society 2.0. Right now, we are in a place where we're transitioning from society 1.0 into society 2.0. So what is society 2.0? It is a place that's not perfect, but very beautiful. 
human beings operate more from the heart and it's more of a whole body approach to thinking and making decisions and being conscious versus currently, even though we are shifting very quickly, we primarily operate from here. And this brain is beautiful, but unfortunately this brain is largely run by the ego and there are constraints in making more intelligent decisions and being more compassionate and loving. So we can, when we can, we're at a place when we've integrated all three brains, the heart, the gut, the head, and they're all working with one another beautifully. It makes for a much more of an evolved version of a human being. I mean, reduced, <laughs> reduced rates in crime, less corruption in the government, uh, less war, less hate, and on and on and on. It's a society that operates from primarily from the vibrational frequency of love than from the vibrational frequency of fear, right? There's two spectrums, love and fear. So right now we're kind of in the middle and we're slowly progressing to there. The society uses different tools that are available, such as various forms of plant medicine, MDMA-assisted therapy, whether it's ayahuasca, yoga, it doesn't matter. You know, it depends on what you, what you do. Um, the society is much more advanced in science and modern medicine. I mean, I, I'm saying that the technology is pretty much here uh, it's still being tested and perfected, but I believe that within 20 years, we'll be able to print almost any human organ in a 3D printer in a matter of minutes and transplant that, that organ into a human being in a matter of minutes through robotics and real-time imaging. And sure, it'll, it'll be monitored and run by humans, but there'll be almost zero room for error. So therefore the lifespan of human beings is, go, is about to increase exponentially. Um, that stem cell technology, you know, exosomes right now, exosome treatment is about 5K for an IV. Uh, within 20 years from now, it's going to be $50, $25. And you probably will need to get, you know, ideally, like if you can get an IV right now on a monthly basis, you could really regenerate uh, your entire body, hypothetically, based on what we have, the information we have today. By 20 years, it'll be a single IV a year because the stem cells will be, type of stem cells will be able to slowly integrate your system in a matter of months, years, regenerate. So like, I, and what I'm trying to say is I don't believe that physical health is going to be much of an issue within 20 years from now. So society operating from the heart, we're much more healthy. Many of the jobs that we have today will be eliminated and replaced by robotics and partial artificial artificial intelligence. So human beings, there will likely be uh, basic universal income or a form of basic universal income that will make sure that each human being has enough for a, a lifestyle. And then there will also be areas for entrepreneurship where if you want something above and beyond, you can go and be an entrepreneur and create companies, create services and ideas and products that benefit the society. Um, so yeah, from technology, from science, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a society that is also, uh, largely based on blockchain technology and it's integrated into that, uh, the blockchain technology very well into itself, you know, voting is done on blockchain technology. So there's almost or no room for, um, corruption as there is today. The internal revenue service, the IRS is on the blockchain. So we know that every single tax dollar that we pay 
is accounted for. We know exactly where it goes, who it goes. We know what every single politician is paid, what every single project is, is costs, where every single penny goes. I mean, it's my belief that a lot of the tax revenue that's collected today goes into people's pockets and doesn't get to where it's supposed to be. Uh, so it's just a much more mature version of our society today. And I feel that we are well on our way. Why now? Well, um, I mean, look, it's very simple. Look what coronavirus has done. And, you know, uh, we won't go down, down that rabbit hole, but look at look what's happening just in generally. Number one, people have never been so afraid, uh, at least not in the last hundred years, um, I don't think. Uh, number two, there's a mass, mass shift of consciousness happening. I mean, today is a Saturday, we're recording this, and as we sit here this weekend, my estimation is at least three to 400,000 people around the world are experimenting with psychedelics many of them to party with, many of them as medicine, right? It's a tool. It depends on how you use it. And that completely shifts the way a person feels, the way a person vibrates. Uh, you know, Paul Stamets talks about how psilocybin makes for nicer people. And men who have had at least one psilocybin session in their life are significantly less likely to ever be involved in a domestic abuse case. You know, what does it do to the brain? What does it do to the body? You know, so right now is the perfect time. We're already moving there. And I believe that for me personally, the reason for my timing is aside from the fact that all of the factors are there. A lot of people are consumed by the media and all the negative shit that's happening in our world. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of negative stuff happening. There's also a lot of beautiful things happening. Our society has never been healthier. Uh, we've never had less, or just less diseases. Mortality rates has never been. Amazon Prime. <laughs> Amazon Prime. Seriously. Teslas. You know, like, we're, we're in a really much more beautiful place if you zoom out. I'm not saying be ignorant to all the micro things that are happening around the world but it doesn't help focusing on every single one because they consume you. My philosophy is stay informed, make sure you know what's going out, but don't focus on it. Be conscious of it. Still zoom out and still navigate your space, your life. So place so that it doesn't affect you on a daily basis because whether you're in it, it's not going to make a difference for you, you know? So right now is the perfect timing and people need to have an idea, in my opinion, a vision of what the future can look like and and this is really important right because the reality the world that we're living in right now society 1.x is really a product of our collective consciousness mm -hmm. it's the reality we're all collectively putting our attention and energy and our belief on mm -hmm. which is why it exists in the material reality and if we can shift to agreeing having this global consensus on a different kind of world then we would literally step into that world exactly and you know this is this is only possible when enough people have a shared understanding of what the the goal is what the target is mm -hmm. what is it that we would like to collectively manifest mm -hmm. because when 
we manifest unconsciously because we're manifesting all day, every day for our entire lives, whether we are aware of it or not. The unconscious manifestation looks like COVID, right? Because that's a product of our collective unconscious, the unconscious that is full of trauma, that's full of emotional pain, that's full of really repressed anger and rage, that's full of scarcity and a lot of, you know, deep sense of unworthiness and guilt and shame. This is the energy of the world right now. Mm-hmm. And that's creating the world around us that appears to us in reality, quote unquote, as COVID, as the whole, you know, racist, um, race wars, all that stuff, you know, that appears in the form of so much chaos and disorder in the system. And so this point can't be underscored enough. And, you know, one of the ways in which you are choosing to live your life is you're bringing the awareness of this possible destination to as many people as you can. Because one of your beliefs is that if you can allow enough people to see this as a possibility, then you know, as a collective, we can really bring that into reality. We can co-create it together. It's basically an intention that we share. And when multiple people share an intention, it becomes very, very, very powerful. When hundreds of thousands of people or millions of people share an intention, it becomes very, very powerful. And like you said, exactly, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to paint a picture that's very possible. And I will be interviewing experts in every one of these fields, um, from blockchain technology to science to plant medicine, etc. That will talk about how it's possible to get to that place. Realistically, yeah, it's not just a pie in the sky dream. It's possible technology the framework. A lot of it's already there. We're just we just need to now co-create it mentally and emotionally and feel that place and really understand that place and be excited right. about that place. Right. And together we can actually co-create that place. We can change the current reality and catapult ourselves into that place in the next several years. And, you know, I just want to underscore here when Boris says that place, it's, it appears like that place is out there in the future mm-hmm. or it's at some distance removed from us. But this sort of a society-wide transformation actually happens in a series of instantaneous moments. And that's how we shift the frequency that we're operating at, that we're living at. And that frequency shift is, it's an instantaneous act. Um, it may take you know, some time for the consensus algorithm of humanity to line up but the shift is instantaneous. Now, one of the core defining aspects for me for Society 2.0 is a society that is based in, in this idea of collaboration and cooperation rather than competition. Mm-hmm. Because right now, we live in a society that is fiercely competitive because it's based around this idea of lack, where there isn't enough, and because... If you think that there isn't enough, you're going to be competing for resources. You're going to be competing for money. You're going to be competing for self-worth. You'll be competing for, you know, providing for your basic needs and and then on. 
And this sense of competition really puts a divisive and often violent edge to how we operate together. But a society based on collaboration and cooperation is based in this idea that there is no competition. It would almost be like saying that my right hand competes with my left hand for resources mm. because both my hands are part of the same organism, the same whole. And therefore, different aspects of the whole do not need to be in an adversarial relationship to receive you know, what they need, energy, nourishment, yeah. attention. And one of the ways in which we shift to this higher frequency as a society is if enough of us individually shift to that frequency. Correct. Right? So let's and, talk about... And the frequencies are yeah. fear and love. Right. I mean, eventually, right. sure, right. once we get to the trauma. Right. right. And right, because all, all of our fear is really the fear of death because the ego is always just deathly afraid of its own death. Yeah. And lack is caused by fear. Exactly. Exactly. So let's, let's jump in and talk about this idea of a frequency and vibration because a lot of people talk about this sort of thing, but it's often explained in a, you know, a super spiritual or esoteric way, way, right? Which can be a turnoff for a lot of people. Yeah. And so let's take a stab at really unpacking what is this concept of frequency? What is this concept of vibration? And why is this important? Why is this so important for everyone to really understand it, but also use it? Mm -hmm. Because it's like gravity. It's happening regardless of you want it or not, yeah. whether you acknowledge it or you understand it or not. Mm -hmm. So you might as well give yourself the you know, the additional power yeah. to wield uh, a tool that, you know, it's actually not a tool. It's a principle mm -hmm. that reality is constructed around. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's dive in frequency. Sure. So at, I started at a very basic level. Our body is a hundred trillion some odd cells that vibrate at a particular frequency, like a radio station. It can be measured. It could be tuned. And vibrational frequency is largely driven by emotions. Right. And emotions are largely driven by thoughts, whether they're conscious or unconscious or subconscious. So to me, your external environment of what's happening in your life right now is a direct reflection of what frequency you're vibrating at. Which is what you're thinking is right now. Which is what you're thinking and ultimately what you're feeling. So let's insert some science just to be really clear that this is not philosophical. This is quite literal. So scientists have established the equivalency between matter and energy. That means when we see each other or other people or you know trees, we think that it's solid, dense matter. But that's actually something that's at a very low frequency. That's energy vibrating at a very low frequency. That's why it appears to be dense and matter-like. And what they realized was that they did an experiment um, where it's called Young's double slit experiment, mm -hmm. where they shot photons through this slit. And depending on what the observer, the scientist that was observing the experiment, expected to see, the particle would appear as a wave at some point, which is energy, and energy is, you know, it has a wave-like structure. 
um, or it appeared as a particle. So basically, we look like we are dense matter, but this is actually all empty space because the amount of empty space in um, one atom is like putting a nickel inside a cathedral. So most of us is empty space. Mm -hmm. And the part that is not is just energy vibrating at a very low frequency. And so when Boris says that you're literally energy, he literally means you're literally energy. So, you know, we have 40 trillion cells in our body and each cell has a charge of 1.5 volts. So you are literally 70 trillion volts of energy right now. And, you know, this phenomenon of these cells at this frequency is considered to be a human being. And when consciousness passes through it, you, you call it a me, right? And so your thoughts and your emotions are literally determining the frequency that you operate at. Exactly. And so you're someone who has done a lot of work in changing your frequency. Yeah. Why would someone want to change their frequency and how would, how did you go about it? Um, well, let's first go into why somebody would want to change their frequency. As I just said, you are the direct reflection where your life is a direct reflection of what's going on on the inside. So if you are at a place where you're not happy with where your life is, whether it's the way you feel, uh, where you live, how you live, your relationship, et cetera, et cetera, your body, there are tools out there that can allow you to change that. It's up to you if you want to use those tools and how you use those tools, but there are many of them. And for me, I was at a place where I wasn't happy with my life. And I found out that there were tools out there and I went on a fucking trip and I started finding tools, learning about them and utilizing them. And those tools allow me to change my vibrational frequency. There are many tools out there. Uh, one of my favorite one is happens to be plant medicine. Uh, you don't have to use plant medicine to get to a place that you're happy. You can use meditation and different practices. But for me and for a lot of people out there, plant medicine is a very powerful tool if you use it properly. Uh, ayahuasca, uh, psilocybin, mushrooms, LSD, MDMA-assisted therapy, MDA-assisted therapy, you name it. And I've used all of those. And they've all contributed to my understanding myself better, my appreciating myself better, my seeing myself differently for who I am. Also, those substances, those tools really allow you to rewire the part of the brain that is responsible for the ego, which is the fear. Uh, they reduce actual activity in that part of the brain during and post as well. So you're able to actually have real shifts of consciousness, of seeing who you are, of perspective, of understanding yourself better. Uh, so you can use these tools to literally change the way you think. And once you change the way you think, you can change the way you feel. And once you change the way you feel, you change the way you are. And then your body responds by vibrating accordingly to that frequency. And just like this, in a matter of a millisecond, I mean, 
you can literally your circumstances. I mean, if you want to get into this, I will, you know, quantum physics, right? We live in this quantum suit. Some people call it God. Some people call it the quantum space, whatever it is. We are connected to it every single millisecond, every single second. We download from it and it downloads from us. Well, we are it. Exactly. And so this is really important to understand. We think that this idea of God or the quantum field or source, whatever word you want to use to describe it, and this is not a religious conversation, this is just science. We are not separate from it. We're not separate from the source of infinite possibility. We're not separate from the quantum field or God. Each one of us is an expression of it that is refracted through your mind and your body. You are an aperture through which this universal intelligence is looking out through. And the reason why you exist is because refracting out through you is the only way it can know itself. And so a way to think about this is when you look out with your eyes, can you see your eyes? Right? You can't. You can see everything else in the room with your eyes, except your eyes. Because for us to see something, there needs to be some distance. You can't see your nose and your ears, though. Come on, let's be real. <laughs> and so if you, if you try to find the source of this awareness with which you perceive reality, you can't. You can't find it outside you. So this idea that we are separate from each other and from universal consciousness is what the ego does, right? Because the ego wants to exist on its own. The ego has constant fear of death. Mm -hmm. It's always insecure. It never feels like it's enough, worthy enough, lovable enough, you know, ready enough. And this ego-based reality is what most people live in a in a prison around because not only is this happening but they don't have the awareness and this is why we say you know being self-aware is important they don't have the awareness to know that it's happening so they become literally a victim of their own mental phenomenon mm -hmm. right and they live inside this prison made up of the of their thinking and our thinking creates how we feel and you know, we create habits around our thinking and we call them beliefs, right? And when these habits are grooved enough, they create an identity which gives people a sense of self. And so what you're talking about really is helping people completely using these tools. And let's jump into, you know, how plant medicine does this and how powerful it's been. Um, we've had several experiences together that have been mm -hmm. transcendent. Um, but it's really shifting the focus of awareness from the self to everything else. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I said, changes your vibrational frequency completely. And as that happens, your reality has to adapt. Catch up. Catch up. I mean, 
<laughs> some of the things that you talk about, you know, I talk about the craziness is that, you know, we have a theory that as you change your vibrational frequency, as you change the way you feel, you're actually dimension jumping. So as you go from 198.2 to 198.3 or 405, you're literally entering into a different dimension. And that dimension is catered for that particular frequency. It does everything to support you in that particular frequency. It's there for you, created for you, by you. And as you change the way you feel, you change the way you are, you change the vibrational frequency you live in, you change the dimension you live in. And again, that dimension has to mirror everything that you are. So that's why, you know, talk, people talk about manifesting. Yeah, it's simple. It's just like the laws of physics that haven't really been proven yet, but we intuitively know that are true. You know, and it's the law for me. You can, I was talking to somebody earlier and talking about, you know, the laws of physics or quantum physics and the double slit experiment. You know. Let's say a college student or, or a high school student applying for college gets a, an acceptance letter. Now that letter can either say, congratulations or we're sorry, right? Right. And the individual, I believe, and so do many others, has the power in that particular moment before opening the envelope to change the direction in which that situation goes. Because as far, and this is so juicy, it's so cool. Because until, this is like Schrodinger's cat, if anyone's mm -hmm. familiar with the, with the experiment, um, until the envelope is opened, the observer, that is this young man, has no idea what it's gonna be, mm. right? And in that unknown is the possibility of it being anything. Anything. Right? So this is the idea of when we are okay being nothing, then we can be anything or everything. Exactly. And, and so in that moment, as far as that observer of reality is concerned, it's in the possibilities are infinite. You can, I mean, well, the, in that particular moment, the, there are really two possibilities, right? But those two possibilities have infinite offshoots, but there's either you're accepted or you're denied. Sure. Right. In that particular moment with your vibrational frequency, if you can get yourself to a place of feeling like you've already been accepted, like it's already done without doubt, you really improve your probability of it going that way versus vice versa. And the way this works is using the attention. So attention is the currency of the universe. And when we direct attention at a possibility, it becomes reality. And attention with intention. And attention with intention is even more powerful. And attention with intention plus emotion is the most powerful way to do this. It's a formula. It's a formula. So when people look at the reality when as you're listening to this as you look around and see your world that you've created maybe your home in your car that is the possibility that you put the most attention intention and emotion around and that's why you're in it experiencing it as reality and other possibilities which you may even not feel like you're worthy of that it's possible for you it's so remote for you that you have no belief that it could ever exist in reality. And that's why all of those things feel far away. So that distance that we feel between where we are and where we want to be is also almost a, a belief spectrum. 
And the more confident we are about what we think is real is what appears in our reality. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, based on that experiment, you can literally go left or right. And knowing that, why not use it as a tool and apply it to every single major decision that <laughs> right. you make? Because most people, the decisions they make are habitual. Correct. Not so conscious. Not conscious. And intentional. And not intentional. And so they are basically repeating the same set of decisions. Correct most of their life, every single day. Correct. They're right? an autopilot. They're an autopilot. And this is what is known as um, being in your default mode network. So the D default mode network, the DMF, is really the, the bundle of neural synapses that have formed and been strengthened because of repetition, right? And this is really where the ego is considered to be located. Now, the ego isn't a thing, right? It's just a habit of being. So there's a lot of people who say shit like, you know, you got to kill the ego, the ego must be eliminated. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's laughable because, it, you know, they, they don't really understand what the ego is. Yeah, uh, I've, heard, I've heard somebody say that the ego is basically an overprotective uncle who loves you so, so much, but has just not involved in thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And that uncle still feels like you're constantly in danger. Right. And wants to protect you right. because he loves you so much. Right. And it's up to you to befriend the uncle right. and say, hey, thank you so, so much for doing right. this for me. Thank you so much for wanting to keep me safe. But right. I'm going to slowly but very, very gently going to start taking it from here. But thank you so much. And let's be friends. And still, please do continue to protect me. Right. Absolutely. 100%. If you don't want the uncle to go away, you want to change your relationship with the uncle. Precisely. So, you know, you can think of the ego as not something you want to kill, but really something you want to make friends it's with. It's a part of you. It's a part why of would you. Why would you want to kill, kill a part of you? Yeah. Why, would you want to kill your knees or right. your legs or any other parts of your body? No, they're all here to serve you. They're just tools. We need to know how to use them properly. And most people don't understand how these tools work. Correct. Because the human body is a tool, the mind is a tool, but rather than using this tool that the mind is in a really powerful, positive, efficient way. Most people are controlled by their minds. Yeah. Most people are controlled by their thoughts, yeah. by their thinking, by their belief structures. And they're conditioned into patterns of being. And those patterns of being show up as their identity. Yeah. And that just becomes who they are. And once people give up you know, on growing and they decide that this is who I am and that's it, they're basically locked into the suffering that they create for yep. themselves yeah. using the same thoughts. They're not expressing themselves. They're not being authentic to themselves. Right. The body is in dis-ease. Right. It's in constant state of contraction. And stress and, and fight stress, or flight. And that leads to diseases. Right. And that's really the root of pretty much all disease. Yes, there's viral you know, sure. diseases. Yeah. And all, but yeah. most of... People in this country right now like suffer from chronic illness, which is all really you know yeah. due to stress. I agree. That's that's the root of ninety-five plus percent of the problems right. of, of health problems in the world. It's just emotional dis-ease. Right. Which leads to overeating, over drinking, over this, over that, to because most people are trying to escape their emotions rather yeah. than 
connect to them yeah. and sit in them yeah. because it doesn't feel very comfortable. Yeah. And that leads to poor choices yeah. and poor eating habits and poor, well, use of compensatory strategies that over, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, do a lot of damage in the body. Yeah. And not, not even from that perspective, but just being in disease. Your cells right. are in that vibrational frequency. And what they're doing is when you're constantly feeling this ease in a particular part of your body, you're highly likely to actually develop a disease in that right. part of the body because right. the cells in that part of the body are constantly feeling a particular frequency that doesn't feel good. And it's constantly contracting them. And, and there's not enough energy blood flow moving through that part right. of the body. And they want attention. Correct. Because they want to be seen. They want to be known. Because all emotion wants to be seen. Yeah. And so to get your attention, sometimes... There's a reaction. Right. There's a reaction. So half your face ends up being paralyzed as Lee. Mm. Right? Or, okay. or you. Right? Bell's policy. <laughs> and that's like, hey, I'm not taking no for an answer. Give me attention right now. Pretty much. Right? Because yeah. your face is like... When stuff happen, happens to your face, it's like... Your body needs you right now. When your face stops working, you probably should lose right. it. But it comes up in the form of, you know, gaining belly fat. Mm -hmm. Like that is the body preparing to survive because it thinks it's going to die. Sure. Right. Or, you know, there's diabetes, there's all sorts of, you know, liver issues, kidney issues, um, muscles being tight. Muscles being tight is literally your body saying, hey, I'm under stress. Yeah. I'm under stress. Yeah. Whether intentionally or not. Exactly. Exactly. And so all of this pain is basically the body's cry for attention. Yeah. And what do most people do? They take some stuff to numb the pain. They run away. To dissociate from it, to run away from it. They run away. They run away. Right. Most most of us, not they, most of us run away. And you see it in every single oh, facet. You and I have and done it for years. For years. We were experts in that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Still are. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. will climb Mount Everest just to run away from emotional discomfort. People will jump out of a plane. I'm not, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm an adrenaline junkie. But one of the reasons why I'm an adrenaline junkie, because it feels so good at that particular moment to not feel the emotion from which you run all day because the adrenaline takes, it takes over and numbs the body. Well, or <laughs> caffeine or, yeah. you know, alcohol or yeah. anything else. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's also it would be fair to also recognize the innocence that's at the heart of that behavior. Sure. Because, you know, every human being, I think, is trying to do the best that they can given the thinking that appears real to them. And so, you know, it's every human being's innocent attempt to shift to a higher state of feeling. 100%. Right? We're all trying to self-soothe. And, you know, my question always goes towards not why the behavior but why the pain mm -hmm. right where did the pain come from and how do we give it the love and attention and respect that it wants yeah because that's an aspect of us and that's an aspect of us that wants to be understood it wants the light of our awareness to shine on it to really be devoured by it and as a society and as people, we're in a lot of pain. And this pain is passed down from generation to generation until someone's brave enough to feel it. That's trauma. That's generational trauma. And, you know, in this country, like you, you come from a part of the world where there's been a lot of war 
there's been a lot of violence, there's been a lot of atrocities, and it's we carry the imprint of all of this pain in ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And this is why in Ireland there's a much higher rate of alcoholism because of the famine and the war. And so there is almost a predisposition that we, you know, come into the picture with. Sure. And then the environment, of course. And the environment, exactly. So how has this, because I know you've done a lot of work recently in terms of really turning towards your pain rather than turning away from it. Mm. And you've really committed to this process and gone you know, head to head with yourself in a way, in a way that's really hard for a lot of people to do. So what have been some of the things that you've walked away with as, you know, perspective and insight? Well, the important discipline, the actual discipline to make yourself sit down and be aware and sit with what you're feeling versus watching a movie, eating food, going out to dinner with friends, just keeping busy like filling up your schedule. Yeah. We all do that. And I used to do that and I still do that in some ways, but more and more so am I beginning to actually feel and allowing myself to feel the emotion without judging it. Just if I'm feeling particular type of anxiety or particular, particular type of emotion in a part of my body that does not feel pleasant to me. Yeah. I have learned to just sit with it and hold space for it. And a concept that I've been playing with uh, is I feel like feeling a particular emotion, there are limits to it. So, for example, we have a bucket. Imagine there's an empty bucket. And every day as we're going, navigating to life, working nine to five, we feel that emotion just a little bit. That's a drop of that emotion into that bucket. And as we go through life, there's a drop here, a drop there, because we feel it, and then we make ourselves busy. We feel it, feel it for a moment, and then we run away from it, we distract it. We keep on doing it until that emotion just wants to be felt. That's all there is. It wants to be felt. And the bucket is full now. It wants to be acknowledged. It wants, as you like to say, to have a place at the table. And if you're, once you're able to get to a place where you can sit down quietly for 10 minutes at a time, 15 minutes at a time, however long you can, light a candle, close your eyes and, and actually just allow that emotion to be felt and to be there. And you don't, you, I, what I say is, listen, you're here. Welcome. I don't have to like you. I don't have to love you, but I'm here for you. And I know that you're here and I respect you and whatever you want to feel, go ahead. So what, what that does is versus you putting a drop into a bucket here and there, you just open the fucking faucet. I know the bucket's feeling really, really fast. And I believe that there comes a point to where the bucket overflows. And that is when your relationship with that emotion has changed and shifted perspective. And that emotion is no longer negative. It's now positive. You understand it differently. You befriended it because you've taken the time to actually feel it. And the only way to understand it is to feel it enough times, enough amount of times, enough of the bucket until you actually really understand what it is. Because that emotion is there for you, not to you. That emotion is there to teach you something about yourself, about your body, about your life. And the best thing you can do is just to sit with it and allow the bucket to overfill. 
And plant medicine is quite prolific at creating a state where this emotion can be felt, it can be touched, it can be processed, it can be allowed to flow through. Yeah. And, you know, this is, we're seeing, you know, MDMA's phase three FDA trials. Um, We're going to see a wave of tools. There's just more and more tools of this nature appearing which allow people to really explore their experience, yeah. really explore their emotions, ex- really explore. And, you know, we are, we are a society in dire need of that. You know, in June of this year, 11% of the country had suicidal thoughts. And that's a very sick and troubled society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like 11 percent of what like 380 million now that's a lot of people yeah that's a lot of people who are suffering and all of our suffering is self-created yeah and this is this is the illusion that we live in you know as a as a human organism (laughs) that this is it that whatever it is is it mm-hmm. whether it's your income tax bracket, whether it's you know the way you think about yourself, the way you feel about yourself, your you know ability to do different things, your relationship with yourself, but everything is everything is optimizable. Mm-hmm. Everything is it's just what is real right now, and we can shift into a higher level of thinking, into a higher level of feeling, into a higher level of awareness. And that just makes life so much better. So let's, let's drop into movement and fitness because this is the other, we talked about mind and emotions. Let's talk about body because this is, this is something that people who are spiritual, they almost, there's almost a disdain for the body as this useless little anchor that keeps them tied to the material world. But really the body is a gateway to enlightenment. And, you know, the way you and I consider movement and fitness, it's a lot closer to meditation. Yeah. Right. And it's a, it's a very interesting activity that not only brings the physical benefits of fitness, you know, all the cardiovascular and, Etc. Etc. But there's almost a mental um, shift that happens being in that state. So I'd love for you to share your um, this new philosophy that you've been developing around presence and around movement. Sure. Well, for me, working out any type of working out has been a form of meditation for many many years. It has literally saved my life in terms of depression, in terms of how I feel. Uh, so I've really developed a very special relationship with it for me going to the gym and going through my exercise routine, making sure that that routine is very kind to my body while still stimulating to my muscle. That's the formula, right? Getting the maximum amount of pump for the lowest amount of impact to your body. So that's a form of self-love and self-respect, uh, music, cannabis, and an amazing workout. And you literally allow yourself to tune in to your body 
and connect with your body and being super, super present of every single repetition that you do in every single set and actually feeling your muscles trans expand and contract. And that level of connection to me is super, super deep. And the level of pump and stretch I'm able to get and movement is unparalleled when I'm not conscious, when I'm not present, when I'm just going and moving weight. You can move weight. There's people that go to the gym to move weight, and that's wonderful. That's a sport on its own. And there are people who go to the gym for particular type of results for the pump. I'm there for the pump. I'm there for the stretch. I'm there for the movement. I'm there to feel my muscle strands. I'm there to feel my body, to strengthen my body, because my body is my beautiful vessel, my beautiful vehicle that carries my soul. And I want to make sure that this vehicle is as well as equipped as possible so it can carry my soul to the place that it needs to go for however long I need to be here. Like people talk, you know, people think I'm crazy. I talk about this. I'm planning on going until 300 plus. I'm planning on going until I decide that I'm done here, not my body. And there are tools out there right now that are looking really, really good. And within 15 to 20 years, these tools are going to be very easily accessible. Let's talk about them because you've been already dabbling in this. Well, number one, plant medicine, deeper connection to your body. Number two, um, science and medicine, stem cell technology. I mean, the NAD treatments. I get an NAD treatment once a week. So let's unpack that. What is NAD? So NAD is, I forgot what it's, it's nicotine or miticide, something, something, yeah. something. Uh, it's a very long name. But basically what is it? what it is, is it's a compound that, our body naturally makes, but you know, uh, getting exogenous, exogenously really supports it. And at its core, what it does, it goes into the cell and it goes into the mitochondria of the cell. And the mitochondria, for anybody who's not familiar, is basically the battery of the cell. As our cells multiply and divide and make copies of themselves over the years, the cells are not as strong. The mitochondria is worn out. So we basically get to go in with NAD and recharge that cell. And NAD also begins to, one of the first things that it does is it attacks in regenerating and recharging cells that have been damaged in your body. Um, with cancer, it's a little bit different. Actually, there have been studies done that uh, people who have certain forms of cancer, NAD actually uh, assists with, uh, or it, it actually causes the, the, the cancer, cells to, to, yeah. cancer cells to even grow further. Yeah, yeah. So they're still working on that. But for a generally healthy person, it's basically rejuvenation for your body and i get you know it's, it's been my commitment to once a week get one cc of nad plus you know all the other supplements that i take i'm a supplement junkie so supplementation is is huge proper supplementation and i'm learning now that you know not all supplements are created equally and there are certain times of the day that your body makes certain enzymes and there's certain supplements that should be taken certain times of the day versus just morning or whenever you want to take them the body works differently at different parts of the day. The body's super intelligent. There are certain supplements that are amazing on, on their own, but when combined with other supplements, like if you take 20 pills in the morning like I do or did, they may not work with one another. They may not work well with one another. They may cancel one another out. The, the, you know, the result may not be beneficial. So we're still learning all of this, but there's so much information. And again, with stem cells, <laughs> with stem cells, all the research, especially mesenchymal stem cells, which are basically stem cells that are derived from female placenta, uh, 
those are amazing. Those are powerful. Imagine if you got, you know, our friend Baldo and I were talking about, imagine if you got an IV, a stem cell exosome IV every week for 12 months. What would that do to your body? Regenerate every cell, basically. <laughs> the, I don't think the experiment be has been done, new. but I'd like to be one of the first ones to do it because <laughs> I love experimenting myself. Um, so the, then that technology is going to be available and it's going to be very easy much easier to keep the this vehicle of ours in a pristine condition and which supports us in actually doing the work on the inside the inner right work. which is the real work which is always the real work yeah part of the formula major formula but yeah yeah so what are you going to be doing in the next few months to bring this vision to more people um I'm launching a podcast called Society 2.0, and I've been going on a bunch of podcasts, front podcasts, and kind of very briefly introducing this idea. Uh, and I will be talking about what Society 2.0 looks like, and I will be interviewing different experts from different various fields that further explain why the society is possible. And my goal is to paint a very clear picture as to what this idea of society looks like. And hopefully, if there are people out there who resonate with this idea, we can co-create this and begin to co-create this together with just nothing but our imagination. And intention. And intention. And feeling that place. And slowly, my intention is to have people on this side who are currently focused with everything that's going on in media, mainstream media, non-mainstream media, all the shit, all the posts on Facebook that are real or fake or who the fuck knows, to slowly get them out of this vibrational frequency, out of this environment that's super toxic and not helpful into this perspective, which is an environment that's filled with love and hope and compassion and have them actually see the society that we can create together. And from there, from that feeling, we can actually address all these problems much more efficiently. Problem can't be solved when you're in a state of fear. It's just impossible. It's very difficult to solve a problem and address an issue when you are swimming in toxicity. Our patient frequency just not, not allow for it. But when you're in a healthy place, these problems are addressed super, super easily. We'll find the most efficient, effective ways to address them. It's a macro solution to a lot of the micro problems, very serious micro problems, but micro problems. So if you resonate with what Boris is saying, if you feel a part of you really stir up and wake up by his words, then definitely head on over to follow him because this is going to be really the ushering in of a new age. And uh, it's such a, such a cool journey to, to know you and to have these conversations with you. Thank I'm you, looking forward to doing more of these on the show. Yeah. So why don't you let people know where they can find you? Um, well, the YouTube channel for Society 2.0 was just created. There are no podcasts there yet, but there will be podcasts coming in the following weeks. So you can just look, search for the Society 2.0 podcast. Um, you'll see a bunch of videos being posted there in the next months. Uh, Instagram, I'm not really big into social media, but feel free to follow me on Boris, B-O-R-I-S underscore P-E-Y-S-A, and then 8888. 
um, yeah, for now there. Beautiful. And, and all the different podcasts that kind of I've, that I have been on in the last few weeks that will be coming out. I'll be tagged in them and will be coming out. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Well, wishing a blessed start to this journey that you're on, which is, in a way, I feel like just beginning because the level of impact that I think you're going to have in the world is going to be quite unprecedented. Thank you, brother. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and I can't wait to do it again. Same here, man. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found value, please consider leaving a five-star review to allow the show to reach more people or share this episode via your social media channels. If you're an entrepreneur and want support in exponentially scaling your business, email me at ani at animanian.com.